Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Welcome in to the Thursday edition of the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. We have Cardinals baseball day game coming up along with BK, Brandon Kiley. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And what an interesting, crazy, in a way scary night at the ballpark last night. The Cardinals lose the ball game, and thank goodness baseball did not lose Bryce Harper. As Harper, as everybody that's been listening to the station has talked about a lot with Carriker and Smallman, Harper was hit by a 97-mile-an-hour pitch from Henesis Cabrera last night on the face and stayed uh, stayed upright right away. He got up, went right to the dugout, went right to the training room. Thank goodness he's okay. He addressed that on Instagram. The next pitch, D.D. Gregorius hit with a fastball right in the ribs, and then it was a base hit by McCutcheon, and the air was out of the ballpark. Things were moving along. You had momentum in the game, and all of a sudden, BK, the air was out of the ballpark when we saw those two incidents happen. Yeah, and let's start with this. Uh, obviously, the first thing that everybody was wondering is, is Bryce Harper okay? He walked off on his own power. That was a good sign. And then you see the Instagram video afterwards. He says, hey, uh, my face is still here. That's wonderful. Um, it, that being said, like that can't happen. It can't happen. And for Hennessy Cabrera, he clearly there was no intent behind it whatsoever. He did not have any command First pitch is to the face to Harper. Second pitch to the ribs, Didi Gregorius. And then you've got McCutcheon going up to the plate. And I don't know what was going through his head at the moment, but I can't imagine he was thrilled about having to go up to see Hennessy Cabrera. And the only reason Cabrera was even in the game at that point is because of the silly rule that baseball has now of the three batter minimum. So that's kind of where we are. Dan, I'm curious, as you were going through it, broadcasting the game, what was going through your head as you see McCutcheon then go to the plate? Well, the first thing I thought was when Harper was hit, I thought, and Mike Schilt's been doing this a long time, if there was no three batter minimum, he's out of the game. Uh, clearly, there's a problem there. There's an issue. Then you see the second batter hit, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going on? I honestly thought, how uneasy is Andrew McCutcheon going to be getting in the box with a guy that has no idea where it's going? And remember, in that at bat, he bounced a ball, and then McCutcheon, uh, I think it was the next or the third pitch after that, got a base hit to left. And you're right. I I don't like the three batter minimum anyway. I had never thought of this potential scenario uh, popping up with baseball. I I don't like that the fact that just on a surface, I don't like that you can't have the strategy that is used with a bullpen late in games. Now, having said that, you know Joe Girardi's going nuts and saying, you know, why didn't you? Well, it looked like he wanted the umpire to throw himself out when he first came out. That I understand why he's mad. I mean, I'd be mad too. So I no problem with what Joe did. Um, and then you could say, why, you know, throw this guy out. And my only thought on that, and it's heat of the moment. And as I've reflected on it, you can't. And I thought it at the time too. You you cannot throw the umpire can't throw Henesis Cabrera out for being wild. And you knew it was unintentional, um, and that was, and that's a, a terrible spot for the umpires to be in. Clearly, everybody in the ballpark wants him out of the game, and probably Cabrera himself wants to go out of the game. He was shook up, uh, and as you mentioned, and rightfully so, one hundred percent correct. It was unintentional. 
but it doesn't excuse the fact for a 97-mile-an-hour fastball in the face. He's got to be out of the game. And I don't, I'm not sure baseball, when they were sitting down and doing these rules and thinking, well, this is going to speed this up because you can't go to the bullpen. Now we're going to have this time. This guy's got warmed up. Oh, by the way, what happens when someone's wild and he starts hitting everybody? And you know it's not intentional. So the umpire can't say to Joe Girardi, uh, and I'm going long-winded on your question, hey, by the way, Joe, we, we, we're going to throw this, uh, or to Mike Schilt, we're going to throw this guy out for being wild. Mike Schilt's going to say you can't do that. Joe Girardi's saying, now, wait a minute, this guy just hit the franchise in the face and hit our shortstop who's batting cleanup in the ribs. Back-to-back pitches. Why isn't he thrown out? Well, it's unintentional. So, I, you know, baseball didn't think of that kind of scenario unfolding. And to your point, too, thank goodness Bryce Harper is okay. I mean, in the moment, I was like, please be all right, because this is why people like to come to the ballpark to watch certain players hit or play, and he's one of them. So... That was my initial thought, is that the three-batter minimum screwed this whole thing up. Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, before he could even get the question out, talked about, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but asked Mike Schilt about, where are you going to take him out? Yes. Do you think the three-batter? Yes. I mean, he he was all over it. He, he didn't like to, he doesn't like it anyway going into the season, and now he has even more uh, fuel to add to the fire as to why you don't like the three-batter minimum. And here's what Mike Schilt had to say about that after the game. Absolutely. It would have... Um figured out a way to 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 get get him out of that game but you know he'll regroup and he'll be uh he'll overcome it now this is what i'm thinking i also thought about this as the game was going on and we watched cabrera come out of the game um how does he rebound from something like that you know uh you, you could tell in in the dugout he, he he was emotional about it. I mean, he was upset. And then after the game, he made a statement right away and said, I'm so sorry. It, it was a, not intentional. I hope Bryce Harper's okay and can get back to baseball activities. Then he was asked some questions. And then again, as you know, BK, he said again, I, a long statement. I, I'm very, very apologetic. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want this to happen. Um, where my concern goes for him moving forward as we advance the story, is how do you bounce back from something like that? You know, I, I've seen guys that lose it, and you have to pitch inside in the game. And when they when that catcher, who if it's Yachty or Kisner, puts down one in, fastball in on a lefty, gun shy, I, I, I think it could be. And so I, I'm really curious to see how he rebounds. Yeah, you've seen this happen before where a guy gets a little anxious whenever something like this yeah. happens, and you don't blame him for it, right? Like, of course, if that happens to you, that's a moment where you're like, ah, come on. And then you, the next guy up, now you start doing the little, you're nibbling at the corners, and we've seen that from so many different Cardinals pitchers over the years. It, it can be a problem, especially for a guy like Genesis Cabrera, who his aggressiveness is... That's what he wins with. Like mm-hmm. That's that's how he succeeds as a pitcher. So he's got to be able to continue that. Going back to the three batter minimum for a second, I think the the thing about the rule for me is that it put everybody in a no win situation last night. Like, totally, there, there was no way anybody could come out of that feeling better about it because of the way that it was handled. The ump can't throw him out. He also had he's almost powerless in the situation. Um, Hennessy Cabrera. I'm sure all he wanted to do was eject himself from the game at that point, but he can't do that. There's no injury that's taken place. He just doesn't have any command. Mike Schilt, he's watching this like, God, I 
I got to wait two more batters. There's nothing that I can do. Girardi's like, can you just throw him out already? Knowing full well, no, the answer is he can't throw him out of the game. Harper's going to the hospital. You got guys going to the plate that don't feel comfortable. Like, nobody wins in this situation. And the thing that's frustrating for me, Dan, is I understood. I got to be honest. I was one of the people that was in favor of this rule whenever they implemented it. I understood what they were trying to do. They want to speed up the game. They feel like it's taking too long because it is, because there are too many guys that are coming in out of the bullpen. But with the way that things have gone now, I almost feel like the roster restrictions with 26 guys on your roster is as much of a prohibiting factor for these managers to go with the bullpen rotation that they would like to in these individual games as the three batter minimum because you're only getting so many innings out of your rotation now guys are going five innings and they're getting out of the game you only have so many relieving options to be able to go to in a loogie role like you used to be able to imagine though if you did advance rosters how often uh, managers would go to their bullpen and then they'd say, well, now we're back at square one because we're bringing everybody in. And I should clarify. I'm not saying expand the rosters. Okay. I'm saying yeah. because you have 26 men on your roster, yeah. I, I'm not sure that the loogie rule, at least for most teams, would even exist today without this rule. Yeah, and I, I actually thought about, um, and he would not have done this, but I thought, do you intentionally walk McCutcheon so now you've got the three batter minimum done and get him out of the game in a legal way in Major League Baseball. However, if you do that, you're showing absolutely zero confidence in your guy. None. I mean, you're saying... And it's a tie game at the time. That's the other thing. You're trying to win the baseball game. That's right. And that's the point, is now you put the next guy in scoring position. You put Gregorius at second base. Uh, But it was just such a scary situation and unique where... And this is no disrespect to any player, but it's Bryce Harper that got hit. It's not Joe Blow that also added to it. Um, But I did. I thought, you know, would I have done that? No, I wouldn't have. But I wonder if it crossed his mind. And he'd probably say, no, 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 no. I I have faith in my guy that he's going to get it rained back in and throw strikes. I'm with that. I get it. I mean, I'm 100% behind it. But I was just thinking of, like, countless scenarios of what's going on here. Uh, to get him out of the game because you had to get him out of the game. There was no other way to look at it. And as as Mike said, right off the hop, once he hit Harper in the face, you get him out. That, that It just can't happen. You're throwing 97. You're throwing 97 miles an hour. That You cannot do that. They can't get away. And I understand balls get away. I understand there's sometimes wildness, but eh, it, it just can't happen. And I do think there's almost a compounding factor of, like, you got to face the next guy now, and then he hits him as well. And so it's not just I hit Harper in That's the face. Right. It's then also, if you're Hennessy Cabrera, I have so little command, and it almost feels like the yips at that point, that now I'm going inside again, and it goes straight into his ribs. Right. Like that That is also part of the story. And I know we talked about this, I think it was like a week ago now, with the warnings that were issued to the Cardinals. That happened again last night, where right after that, they issue the warnings to both teams, and I know Girardi wasn't happy about it. Dan, again, this was a no-win situation for the umps. I think it was the right decision. I know that I'm going to be called a wimp by some on the text line. I get it. I understand it. This is the way that it has always been policed, that one guy gets hit in the face and then the ribs, and then the next team has to also wear one. I just think that's silly, and I don't think that it should be necessary for Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt to wear 97 in the ribs and end up back black and blue the next day because the other team did. Not, neither team should have had to wear that. And then when you're moving forward today, 
I'm guessing they're going to warn both teams before the game again, and I also think that's the right decision. This is the last time that these two teams meet throughout the season, and if it means that nobody gets hit because there are warnings before the game, and I don't know how they're going to deal with it uh, internally. I don't know. But I think that's a good thing for baseball, not a bad thing, even though I'm sure that there are some in the audience listening right now that are saying you, you got to hit a batter. Maybe they will, but it's going to result in a suspension. I'd always rather see the players in uniform police the game. Um, I'm, I'm just a big proponent of that. I think guys know what to do and hopefully do it right. Now, there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. And part of... To, to help make your point here, and we were, we were heated about this the other day and disagreeing, but, and I was saying to you off the air, is back in the day you could count on a reliever coming in that wasn't throwing 100 or 97 and had command, where sometimes these guys don't. You would like to think if they're going to do this and it's an eye for an eye, that you do it properly when a guy gets hit. And uh, it does add to advance the story, though. It does advance it to fireworks potentially at the ballpark today and as you mentioned it's the final time these two teams meet so what happens if one team gets up by a lot next team uh, isn't vice versa it doesn't matter and you're trying to make sure that the the score is settled it's also about protecting your teammate which is kind of what happens inside those dugouts I get that too um, it's going to be interesting I, I, I'm with you I think it, it, I'm sure there's been communication to both clubhouses of some sort and then there's the communication of Major League Baseball getting involved via the umpires and saying, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Warnings on both sides or whatever they do. And if you find that there's not intent, if somebody gets hit, stays in the game. And the the problem that you would have is, let's say Aaron Nola's dealing and you're in the seventh and eighth of a tight ball game and he's going to stay in, I mean, and you haven't quote-unquote settled the score, you want Aaron Nola suspended? No. I don't think so. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's The first things first is that you have to win the game. So we'll see how it plays out. It is interesting. It's going to get interesting when when Nola leaves the game. That that's when things get interesting, and I hope it doesn't escalate. Um, I I just I hate watching that because as a Cardinals fan, you're going to go into the late innings, and once that first reliever comes in, let's say it's the top of the order. Now I'm looking at Carlson or Arenado or Goldschmidt potentially getting hit, and who knows where it's going to go. Is it going to hit their hand? Is it going to hit their wrist? Is it going to end up on their elbow? And what could be the um, compounding factor of that as well? I I hope it doesn't go that way, but we've all seen this story a million times. It it could. Mike Quaddy is coming up. We're going to talk about the minor leagues in just a moment. Minor league season, fired up about this, by the way. It fires up next year or next week. Uh Hopefully not next year. And uh, so we got minor league baseball coming back. I think they're doing this BK at every level. I'm not positive. I know in the lower levels they're doing this for sure. Probably maybe not the the higher levels because you can sell tickets in various cities and actually have this work for you. But in many of the levels, they're going to play Tuesday through Sunday games and all with one team. So... As it pertains to fireworks, think about having six games wow. in a so row. You're just basically going to do almost a round robin where, like, you've got one team for six days, and then you'll go to the next city right. and go do that. That's interesting. And and so, like, at the uh, down in Florida, what they're going to do in in Jupiter is only sell tickets then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then the other games are going to be played without fans because they, they don't draw very well anyway. So try to make it a premium to go if you're going to go. Let's go on the weekend, but. From a baseball perspective, six games against one team, 
it's baseball. And it doesn't matter if you're the college level, high school, you know, in this case, professional baseball. Things get out of hand sometimes. I think it could be interesting with six games in a row. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm really interested in this interview because if you look at what he's been in the past, Quaddy was a guy that really put a premium on stolen bases. And we have seen that basically leave the game at this point. The Cardinals have one guy in particular in Tommy Edmond that has been a big time stolen base guy. Everybody else on the team, though, has been quiet on the base path. So I'm curious what his perspective is on where baseball is going with that. So Mike is coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK. The podcast powered by I Promise. With Danny Mac, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac Show with BK here on 101 ESPN. And right now, we're very happy to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by Mike Quaddy joining us here on 101 ESPN. He is a roving instructor in the minor leagues in the Twins organization. Mike, we appreciate the time today. How you doing, my friend? Well, I'm good. I'm. I think I'm completing the law. I've been doing this forty some years, and uh, I got here on February 12th, and I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, and it's the longest spring training in the history of mankind. But, um, <laughs> it sure is. Really, it's just good to be working. And um, uh, yeah, it was a good camp. You know, Mike, it's interesting that you you talk about vaccinations, and you know, today would have been the opener for the major league season if owners or others got what they wanted, which was to push the season back. And the idea, obviously, is safety for the players and personnel and the coaches and the managers and get guys vaccinated. Um, what has that been that process like to get the players in the minor leagues vaccinated to make sure that those kids are, are safe and healthy? Well, and it's I tell you what, I give everybody in the world who's put this thing together a lot of credit. Uh, down here, you know, you've got everybody from Publix to Walgreens to, and our training staff and our medical staff here uh, have coordinated the whole thing. Uh, I think the kids got the first shot three weeks ago. They timed it up so that they could get the second shot and then go to the airport, get on planes, and go to their their affiliates. And then they'll then they'll quarantine for a couple of days there. There'll be there'll be another intake test, and it's, the testing is the irritating part all the time. But but it certainly went about as smoothly as I think. Uh, you could ask, and um, I, you know, we have people that occasionally come up positive, but I'm just thankful that none of them have been sick, really, you know, knock on wood. I mean, you know, my folks are older, I'm older, but uh, this thing has, has gone really, really well, and I'm kind of hoping the enthusiasm, even at the minor league level, when these guys start playing, um, there'll be a lot of fans and a lot of fun, even though I know they'll be limited in capacity. Uh, I was talking to some Cardinal personnel about the lower levels of the minor leagues, and in particular Florida State League, where they're saying they're going to play from, they're going to start a series on Monday against a particular right. team and then finish on Sunday, off day, um, or I guess start on Tuesday, off day on Monday, and play basically six games against each other. Is that being done uh, universally through like single A, double A, how how is that going to work? Yeah, the, the entire minor league system is going to play Tuesday through Sunday, just as you said, and everybody will have Monday off. Wow! Um, and it's you know it's it's twofold. I was telling the younger kids yesterday because you know the game has changed so much, and you know a five or a six game series, if there's any animosity, if there's any, that's a pretty long series, and. Uh, it just doesn't seem like, uh, you know, if you got Gibson and Drysdale in your rotation and they get <laughs> in a six-game series, you're in trouble. And I know I'm dating myself, but, but it's, it's a little different era now. I think uh, it'll be fabulous for the scouts. It'll help uh, limit some travel, and, uh, and it'll be easier for the kids to, to stay safer, I think. So 
Uh, it seems like a good plan, and, and anybody that's been through uh, minor league seasons, many of them as I have, uh, a day off a week never happened, and uh, and that'll be that'll be welcome. Mike, we've talked so much in the majors about the innings that these pitchers are going to throw this year coming off of the 60-game season. I hadn't given probably enough consideration to the fact that a lot of these minor leaguers threw zero professional innings last year. I know you're not a pitching coach, but uh, as you guys have talked within the organization about what that's going to look like in 2021, has there been a whole lot of consideration on, hey, how do we ease these guys back into things this year? Yeah, there there has been. Uh, there's a uh, there's a couple of things that they've done to help with that. One is um, they've expanded the minor league rosters from 25 to 30. Okay, and I would be willing to bet that most every organization uh, of those five extra guys, at least three of them, and probably four and maybe five, are all pitchers to alleviate some of that. And especially, and you guys know, at the lower levels when command's not great. And, uh, you know, a guy can make 70 pitches in two and a third. And, you know, you wind up with, you can wind up with a lot of movement and a lot of trouble and, and, and get short on pitchers and ask them to do more than they're willing to do or they're capable of doing at this point. So I think the roster will help. Uh, we have had a chance to build things up. With our lower levels, we're going to do something that, uh, heck, I did, I guess I was in Oakland in 96 when they, when the first time I saw, it. but we're going to piggyback, uh, four of our starters. So in other words, we're going to have two guys. So we're playing a game on Tuesday, and we're going to have basically two starters. We're going to have a guy start, make 70, 75 pitches, and his his piggyback guy is going to come back in and hopefully maybe finish the game. And then you use your bullpen accordingly to get guys in and out of a little trouble. But you're going to, So you're basically going to have two starters pitching at least to start the season uh, at, at, at our lower levels. So that will help. And that also gives you a better look at everybody. You know, you can, you can have a guy with uh, – you know, we, we all get surprised by young kids, and if a guy's only got 30 innings, that surprise may not show up. But now you're you're, you're really you're you're exposing eight starters, and that'll give everybody a chance to compete and uh, and and hopefully put their best foot forward. So I, I think it'll be fine. And I told our younger managers, I you know they're all excited about the roster, but I said you know if you stay healthy and guys pitch well, you're gonna have people here. It's hard to get everybody work. Absolutely. You know, Mike, I'm always fascinated about, the, you know, spring training and who's ahead, who's behind. Pitchers now come in, as you well know, they're ready to roll. Hitters take about, you know, for some guys, it's like two games and they're like, okay, let's go to opening day. I'm ready. I'm locked in. Um, right. and, and so now when you have the time off that you had last summer, who do you think is going to be catching up more? Is it going to be the hitter's perspective or do you think it's on the pitching side? Well, at the home runs that I'm watching every night and the highlights at the big league level, if, that, yeah. if that's any indication, then I, I think I think the hitters have caught up quickly. I also kind of laugh because we kind of got word that the, they were going to do a little something with the baseball to uh, decrease the flight or whatever without getting into the weeds too far. And, uh, man, I, I certainly haven't seen any of that. So, you know, I you would, you would think – uh, that the pitchers would still be ahead of it a little bit. And you guys, I mean, you got your club right there to watch. I know Freddie or whatever is going on. Uh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Um, and what I've seen down here is the pitchers are way ahead of the kids. But you know, those guys at the big league level are so skilled that, um, that they catch up pretty quick. And I think, you know, hunger's, hunger and attitude is a lot. You know, these guys you know, are dying to, to get out of here and play. So, um, so I think – I think I don't think it'll be that much different than you saw two years ago before the pandemic. 
We're talking to Mike Quaddy, uh joining us here on 101 ESPN, former Cubs manager from 2010 to 2011, now a roving outfield instructor in the uh, Minnesota Twins minor league system. Mike, I did want to ask you about surprises because I know for the Cardinals, you had a couple of prospects that came in. And he was like, wow, that, that guy looks a little different than the last time I saw him because it's been 18 months since we've seen some of these kids. Was that your experience as well this, uh, I guess, this spring as you came back to camp? Like, wow. Oh, that's a kid that I haven't seen in a minute, and he looks a little different than the last time that I saw him. No, that's an excellent point. And, you know, you tend to it's, – it's like, right, we, we had a lost year. It's like a black hole year. And you come back, and uh, we have a young kid. He's 18, 19 years old, Aguiar. I saw him when he was 17. He just got over here. You know, and he – I was like – I asked one of our guys, I said, who is that? And they go, that's Aguiar. And I go, what? <laughs> and they go, yeah. And I go, oh, my God, he got bigger and stronger now. People that have teenagers and people, you know, when, when it when it comes to the major league people, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know, you know, Buxton looks like Buxton and uh, and, and uh, Cruzy looks like Cruzy and Donaldson and the rest of them. But the kids really grew up a year, and this also, while that's a good thing, the fact that they really didn't play and their skills may not have improved, at least they got stronger. But now, now the concern is, where do you place them? You know, a lot of these kids would have been maybe in high A or double A, I mean, so that was a difficult thing for, for my bosses, for all of us, as far as evaluating, not just, okay, physically, wow, they look great, okay, and they're hungry, and they're, I mean, they're, you know, spring training can drag, but these kids were so anxious to get back to work, you know, it was a wonderful camp, but where are they really um, with their baseball acumen and their ability with having all the time that they did off? Look, you can practice, you can take BP, you can do a lot of things, but in my opinion, you got to play games, and that's how you get better, and that's how you find out about kids. And so the fact that we spent whatever that's been, 18 months or however long, without without competition uh, is interesting. And I'm still dying to see how, the, you know, the decisions we made on the minor league rosters, how they play out if the kids if the kids can compete at the level we put them at. I'm really fascinated, Mike, and I'm curious if, when you talk to your people in the organization or you talk to your counterparts around baseball about limiting shifts pitch clock, bigger bases, the pickoffs, all these different things. We're going to have at different levels, and I hear you kind of chuckling there. What, what, do, you, what do you think about some of these things are going to be implemented in the, in the minor leagues? I go on a 10-year sabbatical, and you guys are going to get me fired in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm not a big fan of about 80% of, of the, uh, the additions, if you will. Um, and we've had some fun with it, but... Um, you know, we'll watch how it plays out. I, you know, I go back to the expert inning thing now that, that people are doing, and I get, uh, particularly at the minor league level, uh, how it's, it saves some pitching and, and so on. And I, I will say this. I was totally against that. I'm more of a traditionalist, so I was totally against that, even at the minor league level when I first saw it implemented. And I've, I'm coming around a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm okay. I don't really need to see a 21-inning game yeah. you know where where the shortstop's finishing up so so I'm a little bit on board with that I don't know you know how Rocco and the major league people you know Tony LaRusso would feel about it but uh but it is what it is and with some of the stuff uh you know to increase the running game and do this and that I'm not necessarily on board with and I also think I wish that they've impl- you know it's like I talked to our doubling manager yesterday and I go okay now give me the rules that you have to abide by so they've got the shifting. So basically, you've got a different set of rules at low A, high A, and double A. And uh, there's a lot of smart people in Major League Baseball making decisions, and there's reasons for what they did, I'm sure. But even with the time clock, when they put it in a couple of years ago, our lowest level didn't have it. 
and I guess my only point is, if you're going to if you're going to try and, and and start things like this, they need to do them. You know, the youngest group needs to understand this stuff. Yeah, and and then if it plays through for a while and and they adopt it and they take it to the big leagues, okay, fine. But but you go from level, you got the kids moving from level to level, and they they have the rules have to be explained. Whether it's a pickoff move where you have to step off, whether you're left-handed, you can't go over, you're limited in your time. And that's you know it sounds to the average person like well that's 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 not a big problem, uh, you know what <laughs> young kids are competing and trying to hit the glove and have all this other stuff to worry about it it does get in the way a little bit. I, I want to go back to something earlier. I was talking with BK off the air and we've had a situation here in St. Louis last night where Bryce Harper got hit in the face and then the next pitch Gregorius gets hit in the back and it, it you know it it used to be as you well know where the players police themselves. Well, you had the umpires come out, and they said, okay, both benches are warned. And, and you do wonder about what could happen in a day game today. Now, what I was curious about is if you're playing, and I don't care if you're in the minor leagues or college baseball or in the majors, you're playing a team six times in a row, man, there could be some bad blood. I mean, Mike, well, that, some of that stuff could carry over a lot. No, that's exactly what I talked about. Although the game, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a lot, Look, I love emotion and stuff, but there's a lot more celebratory stuff going on, and there's a lot more things going on between hitters and pitchers and the rest of it that could get under someone's skin. And uh, and so it seems to me like I've seen a little bit of more, a little more of that here early on in the big league season. Minor league season could be the same, but you know, I go back to uh, 1980, 1981 in the Eastern League. Um, you know, there were some brutal bad bloods throughout different clubs that we played, and if. You know, to get in and out in three games was like, okay, good, no fights. Let's get the heck out of here. But um, you're right. It would be a bit of a concern. I don't think it's anywhere near as big a concern as before. Uh, the benefit scouts uh, can come in and really take a good look at the club. Um, and then all the pandemic stuff. But, it's yeah, it's it's a little concerning. And I guess maybe that's why I'm also a huge NHL fan, because that's how you take care of it. The players police it. You got it. Mike, I had just two more questions left for you before we get you out of here. Uh, as as your experience in the past with being a base running coach for a season, if I'm not mistaken, with the Yankees organization, what have you seen base running wise from where players are, especially young guys today, compared to what they were uh, fundamentally where they were 30 years ago when you first got into this? Uh, where where are players at today compared to when you, whenever you first got into baseball? Well, you know, I, we always used to laugh. The worst job in baseball is the major league base running guy. And I also did that for Pinella before, uh, before getting the job in Chicago. And there was some truth to that. Um, look, nobody, nobody goes to arbitration and says, you know, he can really go first to third. Okay? <laughs> so there's all sorts of things in place that, that limit how important that is. And everybody's, you know, launching at launch angles and hitting homers and walking. And so uh, it has taken a backseat in my mind. Uh, considerably from what it was uh, even 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And, you know, I worked for a lot of different organizations, and this organization in Minnesota was always one of those organizations that you always said, you know, boy, they're really fundamentally sound. And I think we got away from that. I think we readdressed it. We, we brought Paul Molitor in here to do some base running stuff. Uh, and I think it's like one of those things where, you know, it's a lot of fun for me to work with the outfielders and the young managers and do some things. One of the things that may not be as fun because the kids aren't quite as interested is base running, but you've got to force it. You got to, and you, and you got to be relentless on them. And, uh, and it's, you know, we're not talking about base stealing, right guys? We're talking about running the bases, correctly, uh, not making stupid mistakes so that 
solo shot becomes a three-run shot because you didn't run yourself out of an inning and so on and so forth. The base stealing is a whole different thing, um, and I guess they're trying to address that in the minor leagues a little bit. But it's not what it was, and uh, I think over the years, managers and coaches and uh, people have griped about base running as, as much or more than anything uh, as far as not being what it used to be. And my final question for you, you spent five years uh, in Chicago with the Cubs. I am curious, do you have a favorite memory? What was your experience like going up against the Cardinals and that rivalry going back and forth? Well, it's so funny because the kids will always ask, and you know, what's your favorite city, what this and that and the other thing. And, and uh, so you, you kind of you break it up. It's like, okay, there's great cities, there's good cities. There's, but you know, when we rolled into St. Louis, it didn't matter the records. And, and fortunately, the records, at least with one of us, was usually good, and uh, <laughs> many times both of us. So, you know, and it was, it was uh, just, you know, you think about Ohio State, Michigan, blah, 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 uh, New York, Boston. But it was, it was a fabulous experience. And um, to be a part of it, whether I was a third-base coach or whether I got a chance to manage. But I, I will tell you the one thing that I, I'd never forget. And, um, you know, Tony could be a pain in the neck. And uh, I, everybody who's managed against him uh, and watched him respects him and has a million stories about him. But the first day we rolled in, Lou – Lou's mom was very ill, and he had to leave. So I, was, I took the club. We went into Washington. We came into St. Louis. It was, I don't know, probably six games into my managing, uh, interim managing thing. It was before I got the job. And uh, I'm in the dugout with my bench coach, you know, and I'm still – I've managed a few years in the minors, so I, but it's okay. So we're waiting on the umpires, and uh, Pat says, uh, Q, Larissa, Tony's out there. And I said, uh, I said, what? Tony's waiting, waiting on you at home plate. And I go, the umpires aren't even out. I look out, and he's standing there by himself. And I was like, he goes, get your ass, get out there. So I grabbed the lineup card, and, and I go out. It was really the first time I had a, a lengthy conversation. I always would acknowledge him when we would come to town when I was a third base coach or whatever. And he had some very kind words to say, a congratulatory thing. Um, just just that's something, you know, a guy of that stature and when you know, you're a first year manager in a big city, I, I just, I will never forget that as long as I live. I don't need to go into detail, but uh, I was, I, I was taken aback and, 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 and really thankful that, that he did that. And, and then we played really well against him and he didn't talk to me the rest. Of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's Tony. So, and that is true. And that is true. But, um, but anyway, but it, it's, uh, I'm a Midwest guy, and I'm always fond of that rivalry. And, and uh, whether it was in Chicago or in St. Louis, that was those those things will never go away from me. Hey, Mike, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of fun to hear from you, and gla- uh, great to hear that you're doing so well and in, in what you're doing with the minor leagues with the Twins, and and really appreciate your time, and, and glad we got you out of your ten uh, year quarantine to do this. Yeah, that'll be another 10 years right here from anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you call me, I'll be fishing somewhere. But thank you so much, guys. You got it. Mike Quaddy on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show rolls on on a Thursday, and uh, that's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Uh, Tanner, the president of the Woo and the Lou Fan club is also with us, but uh, that was awesome with Mike Quaddy. I, I wasn't sure what to anticipate or expect going into that, and great insight into what's happening with the minor leagues. Yeah, he was awesome. And I asked him one of the questions that I was curious about was the surprises, right? And I, th- I think that's something worth paying attention to if you're a Cardinals sure. fan is, hey, who are the guys that we haven't seen in 18 months compete 
professionally, and I know it's a minor league level, but professionally, um, who are going to show out in a way that we weren't expecting, that are maybe like they were in a high A situation and now they're going to be advanced to double A, maybe otherwise they would have been in triple A, and they go to double A and they just dominate for a month. That's going to happen. I don't know who it's going to be. That's why it's a surprise, but there's going to be a guy that emerges out of the Cardinal system this year that is a surprise to everybody, probably including the Cardinals in a way that normally you wouldn't see. Oh, I, I got a couple. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm leaving it. I'm not going to say who, but they got a couple young arms that I really like. Can I get a hint? No. Okay. Maybe I will tomorrow. Okay. It'll be a tease. Um, the, the thing that I think that resonated with me that he said that I think we all forget, you, me, everybody, and we talk about, okay, here's these rule changes, and who's and I asked the question, who's going to be ahead, the pitcher, the, the hitter, blah, blah, blah. You know what these guys, deep down what they want outside of big contracts and moving up to the major leagues is competition. Like they have missed the competition of you have to be so sick of facing your own guy in inner squad games and the monotony of what you're doing. I mean, these guys didn't have a season last year. So really, you know, you're going back to 2019, the last time these guys played. They want to compete. That That's why, and that's something that I think we forget all the time, and I do too, I'm I'm I, I'm prisoner of the moment kind of thing where you get into the numbers and you look at this, that, and the other. How about the guy that loves to compete? And that's what they love. I mean, Wayno, why does he do it still? He does it for money to, to give away. And the second thing inside that internally burns is his competition because you can't find the competition anywhere else. We're talking about last night with Jim Edmonds. Can't find it anywhere else in the world. And when you're done playing, you won't have it. There's nothing that'll match it. So my um, football career, Dan, very oh. successful football career, yes. ended when I was in high school. However, um, I remember during two days, right when you're in high school and you're like, God, I'm just so sick of hitting the same dude yeah. every day in practice. And obviously, it's at a much different degree for these baseball players that little. are playing professionally. But it's the same mindset, right? Where it's like. In football, when do I get to hit somebody else other than my own teammate that I've been going up against one-on-one every day for a month now? And in baseball, for these guys, it's been like 18 months of going up against the same people almost every single day. And so for the first time in a long time, you're going to be able to see somebody that they don't know your tendencies, you don't know their tendencies, and that might end up bringing out the best in some of these guys. It will That's bring out going. the best in some of these guys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to in seeing what that, uh, what that means for the Cardinals specifically, but for minor leagues in general. Ten straight, five or more innings, and uh, giving up two or less or three or less. And that's what the Cardinals have after yesterday with Johan Oviedo. Uh, today it's KK. Looking forward to this. He's been part of this string of really good starts for the Cardinals. Again, as we talked with uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, how this is handled after the Bryce Harper situation last night in Gregorius. So that's going to be kind of the the main story, I'm sure, going into it. And then you get into baseball and you see how the game unfolds and storylines uh, emerge. But this is going to be an interesting game at the ballpark. There is no doubt about it. It definitely is. And starting pitching is going to be a part of that. But really, let's be honest, the storyline is what happens once you get to the bullpens in this one. Because the Aaron Nolan's not going to be the guy that ends up throwing at one of the Cardinals. I'd be very surprised if he is, at least, because it potentially risks him getting suspended. And the Phillies don't want that. Once you get to the pin for them, and especially if it's not close one way or the other, that's when the fireworks could start. I, I said this in the beginning, Dan. I, I truly believe this. I hope that it doesn't escalate in that way. But 
you just never know in situations like these. Uh, last night, uh, got a great note from Tanner Hendrickson about uh, President of Wu and the Lou, and the Wu's were out in full source, uh, full force last night, and the source of that uh, particular nice message. He really wanted to, to talk to Jimmy. It was Tanner, and uh, Tanner, you are the president, and uh, congratulations on this movement that you have. I guess, uh, congratulations, that you have brought forth to the yeah, city congrats. of St. Louis. <laughs> you should be the most hated person in St. Louis. Well, thank you. Uh, yesterday, I tried it when I first walked in. The security person looked at me, so I said, I'll wait a little bit. Uh-huh. I got you. I-, I figured I might get kicked out. Have you done your 101 ESPN t-shirts, Woo in the Lou? I have not. I'm trying to figure out how I want to design it. Okay. I'm thinking the arch in the background, yep. maybe a little bit of bush uh, underneath there, and then have maybe just a couple like little in little font just woos coming out like the coming from you gotta the be more specific yeah. uh you're, you're going bush stadium bush right? stadium yes okay. bush stadium low okay just making sure that we're on the same page there um dan i think that i was previously one of the most hated men in st louis no I, no 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 i sincerely believe that tanner has one upped me at hey, this point everybody loves the everybody loves an old man so <laughs> he, he takes he wants to be an old man i mean he is Hey, I see. I see how retired people got it. That looks nice. <laughs> you and Dan are going to be fishing down in uh, in in the Caribbean here pretty yeah. soon together. It's going to be it. great. I can't wait for it. Dan, can I ask you one question about yeah. last night's game? On a, on a serious note, Johan Oviedo was awesome. Um, pitch I, very well. I really enjoy watching that young guy pitch. Out of curiosity, what what is the organization's view on what this guy is? What he's going to be for them? Well, I think it was. Early on in his career, could be a four or five, and now after what you've seen and talking with some people, we're talking about up above that, three, two, maybe one, as he continues to get better and better. I mean, he's, what, 23 years old. He's 6'5", 255 pounds. He's put together, and he's got a fastball that's hitting 97, 98. So a top-of-the-rotation type guy. I'm not sure a number one, but again... His growth pattern over the last year and a half has been significant because I don't think anybody anticipated last year him finding himself in the big leagues, but out of necessity, necessity, you had to. He went five innings in every start that he pitched in last year. His relief appearance after Ponce on the 11th was terrific. And yesterday, you know, I just didn't like the call of what they went with to Brad Miller. It was a breaking ball on 2-0. and And what's Brad Miller going to do? He's going to open up. And he's going to yank something probably down the line and try to hammer it. I'd rather see a fastball. I think you got to stay away in that situation. But that's part of the learning process. So to answer your question, it's going to be pretty darn good. He's fun to watch. And that yeah. that fastball jumps on hitters. And it, it's it's awesome. Um, I He's also got better command of his other pitches too now. Yeah. He, Much better. He, he looks awesome. And Derek Gould told this story recently, and he's told it before, but – during the summer camp, according to Derek Gould, uh, apparently Johan Oviedo was the guy that was like taking the rosin bag to and from the dugout because you had to wear specific PPE, and so they had to have some one of the pitchers that was willing to do this. He had to be all masked up and everything with uh, the gloves, everything ready to go, so that way they could do everything safely. And Oviedo apparently volunteered for that job, so that way he could be closer to the starters. He could see Wayno work. He could see Jack Flaherty work because he wanted to continue to learn from those guys and I think that's just like a glimpse into how does a guy take this kind of a leap where he was previously seen as a 4-5 starter to now becoming hey maybe this guy could be a front end starter for the Cardinals 
that's how it's done. That That is how you get there. Well, the other thing, too, is that he thought, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I, I don't want to really speak for him, but I've heard from other people that he really felt like, hey, I should be on this team coming out of camp. And they had to go to him and say, look, you've done the right things. Just understand where we're at. You're a young guy. you got the options. you got various things. Flexibility, right? We always talk about that. But know that with this 17-day stretch, you're a guy. And so that kind of, oh, okay, all right. And now when you get the opportunity, we always say, you get the opportunity, make the most of it, they're going to take the best 26 more times than not. Not every time, more times than not. So he's made that case, which is fun to see. Yeah, and he's deserving of being in that rotation. This is the other thing is when you're a guy like Wayno, who's probably not thrilled about going to a six-man rotation, when you see what Johan Oviedo does yesterday, I think it makes you feel a little bit better about yeah. it, I would imagine. And you know what? It made sense as to why, again, you could stretch out Wayno and you stretched out Carlos, and you felt good about doing that. Six-man rotation, he gives you that flexibility. What do you have coming up with uh, Alex? Yeah, looking forward to it today. So we've got Joey Vitale on the Blues. Alex is, I'm sure, coming in here just fired up Red about hot. the Blues who are officially back at this point. And we're going to get in more to the Cardinal situation with what happened last night. I want to talk about Tyler O'Neill. Holy cow, is this guy on fire right now. So we'll talk about what his future looks like as well. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.